I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. to the Wise Men Say podcast. We are back to talk Euro 2020 again. It is the escape we all need from all things Sunderland. We're going to reflect back on the win against Croatia, look ahead to the game against Scotland, and just talk about the tournament in general. Joining myself for that tonight is Craig Clark. Good to have you with us, Craig. Hello. Nice to be here talking about England. Yes. Just for a change. change. Just a nice change of topic, isn't it? Nice change it of is. conversation. Uh, we can't fully escape all things Sunderland because we're also joined by uh, the voice of Sunderland these days, and that is Frankie Francis. Hi. Hi, guys. It's Good nice to have to... you back. Good to have yeah, you back. It's nice to see some familiar faces. How are you yes, doing? Yes, it is. Um, <laughs> it is a reunion with uh, Frankie and the Wise Men Say podcast. So, it's nice that he can give his opinion on England and um, there's nobody who can tell him off for any of that. So uh, be, as brutal, be as brutal as you want when it comes to England. Have you enjoyed the tournament so far? What do you think first week? Yep. Um, until this afternoon's game, Russia-Finland, I think that's been the worst worst so far. Maybe one or two others have been that low standard. But generally, even the low quality games have been quite a lot of intensity. Like Teams seem to want to win the first game which is different to the last time I think teams felt like they could get away with a draw in the opening game. So that's been quite refreshing. I think there's definitely been a shit, and we see this every few years, don't we? That the, the the football teams want to play that they that they think will bring them success. And there's definitely been a shift where we've noticed the way England are playing. You know, they're trying to play like high intensity, press high, and every team seems to be doing the same. International football. Mm-hmm. Historically, it's been very slow build up, very patient build up, Frankie, hasn't it? But it definitely seems like all of the teams have identified that actually get on the front foot, play 100 mile an hour might be the the way to go now. It's, it changes every couple of years, doesn't it? Yeah, it's it's a little bit refreshing to see, isn't it? And um, I was I found it hard in the first couple of days on certainly the run-up to, to get Euro fever, uh, as it were. But um, <laughs> over the weekend, well, apart from the really horrific scenes we saw with Christian Eriksen, um, I, was, I began to get injured because of that reason, uh, Stephen. You know, people, teams are coming out and giving it a good go. Even in the the Portugal game yesterday, Hungary gave it a really good go, didn't they? And ultimately, fell short and oh, it just showed of quality by the them, last ten it? minutes and got absolutely mm-hmm. annihilated in the last ten minutes, didn't they? But yeah, I like I like it how you know everyone's going for it. And I think there's something in it, maybe because of the, where the games are held, you know. Yeah, it's kind of worked in a way, but I, I do miss that you're in one place and. You sort of get the the, the 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 sort of the try and the broadcasters try and make the culture and the and the atmosphere from that country try and come across, don't they? I guess I do miss that, but it has made it more eventful. I think. I I mean, 
Craig's just talked about the first rubbish game there, but I, actually, I thought I thought as much as hungry huffed and puffed they were to stay <laughs> who were. And I actually yeah. thought hmm. it was quite refreshing to think like when Portugal put them under pressure a bit and the fullbacks and the centre halves were just kicking it anywhere. And I thought this used to be England in tournaments. This when they didn't have players who were comfortable mm. on the ball, so that was quite refreshing, wasn't it? I oh, think- I'll, t- I'll tell you what, Sweden did something similar, didn't it? I mean, I didn't see all of that game, but I think you mentioned in the group chat, Stephen Sweden kind of played like San Marino. They were just happy to mm. hump it anyway, but they clearly have some quality players. Like Isaac up front looked yeah. like he's got some talent. Him, and you still got Larson in there, you know, like being a pest and like winning free kicks and stuff yeah. and. Mikel Lustig still kicking about as well. <laughs> that I love seeing these players who you've kind of half forgotten about re-emerge for European tournaments like this. It's great. I like when they were, they were talking about Lindelof before the game. They were like, oh, you know, he's, I'm struggling for man. You know, is he at home in a Sweden show or anything? How many of these players down the years have we heard this about? Where basically yeah. you're, you're saying they're good for the country, but they're crap in the Premier League. There are lots and lots <laughs> of them, aren't there? Um, I, I, I've been enjoying it. I think, you know, by, I enjoy every single... World Cup or Euros, I always do get into it. And that said, um, I sort of forget about them all <laughs> in the last 12 years. <laughs> oh, yeah. I was watching yeah. um, England against Sweden. They were up the highlights from Euro 2012 when Roy Hodgson had just took over. And um, I can remember Andy Carroll scoring, and that is the only thing I could remember about the game. I was watching the highlights. Because you were drunk. Possibly. <laughs> I'm not going to rule that out as a theory. Um, well, as a mag, obviously, you remember he's, he's made Andy scoring, didn't he? That was, that was the one memory, a golden moment. <laughs> oh, it is. But I think just the, 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 the 2010s in general was just a rubbish time to be an England fan, wasn't it? Um, yeah. With the exception of the World the exception of the World Cup three years ago. Um, and even right. that, I mean, not, not being revisionist, but this team does, to, I suppose, accidentally segue on to talking about England. Mm. This team looks better than that one. And we got a relatively kind draw last time around. And that doesn't mean you you have you've got to beat who's in front of you. And England did that up up till the semi-final. Yeah. But certainly if we were playing as we've seen by beating Croatia 1-0, these two four, four sort of versions of the teams that are available now, I think England would win that semi-final if it was played this time. Hundred percent more than anything, just the options from the bench, because we didn't have anything. Mm-hmm. Re- Southgate got slated, and I think rightly so, for not trying to change enough in that semi-final game. But he didn't have anywhere near the options he got now, Frank, off the bench. It's ridiculous, isn't it, when you look at it, really? Yeah, I'm really excited about the, the squad, uh, the England squad. The players that haven't even had any minutes yet, obviously, we've only played one game. But it, I think, you know, with us winning that first game, it gives them options to not try out other things, but certainly have completely different... Uh, game plans in the in the remaining two games, and you know to have players like you know someone like Grealish on on the bench who could completely change the the style, and you know really you know you can tell he's he's a, he's at age as well. And he's had such a good couple of seasons as well. He's just dying to stake his claim on world football. It's just exciting, isn't it, to watch people like Jude Bellingham coming on? And I've got to be honest, like I haven't seen any much of Jude Bellingham play football at all, and I'm just as excited to see him come on as an England supporter, I guess, and then as everyone is, you know, I mean, mm. I think I, I, as, as well being a Sunderland supporter and being following Sunderland so heavily over the last uh, year as well with working for the club, but you, you take your eye off the Premier League a bit and you don't get to see as many Premier League games and you don't half appreciate the quality of these lads, don't you, when you're watching these England games? Yeah, I saw that actually Finland made a right mess of knocking the ball across the back four early and I laughed and thought, how bad are these? And I thought, that's probably something 
we would see in in, in yeah. League One, uh, not even from the opposition, from us, arguably. Um, <laughs> but I mean, uh, going to the team selection for the uh, Croatia game, we d- we did the pod before, and I did say that I thought he would play Sterling, and, and and I didn't think he would play Grealish, and that's because he wants this side to be as much a consistent team as possible, more like a club team. Sterling's always done it from, and I think you've got to sometimes isolate the form of a player for England. Um, then to that of the club. Jordan Pickford's an example of that as well. Never really let Southgate down. I think we're kind of all waiting for that to happen. <laughs> Hope it doesn't. Um, but, you know, there, there's another example. But the main... People weren't really surprised at that. Trippier at left-back really did um, really did rattle some cages, didn't it? Made some made for some massive debating um, before the game. Uh, I heard a really good argument on that. I was on the uh, Quickly Kevin podcast and they said because he's been playing in Spain and the way that the shadow was on the pitch at Wembley, he was the most equipped to play in the sun. It's as good an argument as any, isn't it? Well, Southgate is a deep thinker. He does he does put a lot of attention to details, perhaps that you know that was that was. But that, I mean well, and I, I was on I, I criticized that before. I'm not gonna be revisionist. I um I look at that and you look at you look at um, Ben <clears throat> Chilwell's just won the Champions League um, for Chelsea. Played really well in the final as well. Attack and left back, and then Luke Shaw's, who I'm not sold on as, as most, I'll be honest. But he's had probably his best season for Man United, so it was understandable. But he, you know, he, I, I guess what's come from that, the, 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 the communication and the stuff that you might not see, certainly through the through the telly, um, things like how he talks to players and guides players um, through a match and. And sometimes you forget that, don't you? When you're watching the match, you forget about these little things because you're just watching it through the screen and thinking about the shape and, and not much else, really. I suppose he's um, he likes Trippier, doesn't he? I mean, he just he's one of the, you're talking about that continuity. He's someone who he he liked at the last tournament, and he obviously trusts him. And maybe Tyrone Mings, he doesn't trust quite so much yet. Although he did put a lot of faith in him by starting him in the game ahead of other options, but mm-hmm. Trippier maybe he's offered him a little bit of extra protection. Where I agree with you, I mean Chilwell has just won the Champions League, but he's been in and out of that Chelsea side. Like Alonso's come in and played, he's quite flexible, Tuchel with his kind of team selection. So I wonder if he just thought Trippier, you know, he's tried and tested. I mean, looking ahead to other games, would I like to see more balance across the team and have because we didn't have a left footer kind of on the left side other than Mings and as a centre-back that doesn't really count you want that that player who can go outside I think in games especially where you're going to have we had plenty of it against Croatia but against other teams like Scotland and the Czech Republic the onus is really going to be on us yeah. to to like really go for it I think No I agree with that and we'll, we'll come on to that when we'll, we'll, we'll look at the Scotland game in, in, in particular but I think What's interesting is I read the uh, I put through Google Translate creation have got the creation have got their own sports newspaper. I know that's really sad, but I always like to get the um, the opposition perspective and the opposition point of view to say you know like because a lot of people you know in England sometimes are damned if they do and damned if they don't. And a lot of people were saying before the game, from what I could say, most people were saying it was a tricky game, and then by the end of the game when we won, people were saying well Croatia aren't all that the crap. Um, this creation. Um, Report the couple of them I read. One of them actually commented on the tr- on Trippy playing left back, and it said it became clear after ten minutes. And this is not something I noticed. I'll be honest. Why he was playing there? I said because he kept cutting inside and playing the ball with his right foot in between the creation left back and the creation left centre half, and he played that ball three times in the first ten minutes and nearly caught them out every time. And he said that using his right foot gave him 
something that a, a left footer wouldn't have been able to do. So they picked up on that, which is uh, interesting. It was really what I did notice reading this is uh, how tactical uh, match reports are compared to I was. <laughs> it was a very, it was a very like fluffy Arthur and romantic and stuff. And this was like it went into great depth, and it was um, it was really it was praising England as, as as well because the the sort of um the, the conclusion of the match at the end was to say that they're still confident they'll get out of the group. And that's not, you know, it's not every game they'll come across a team like England who are far superior to what they were when they played them in the World Cup, and that's what they were saying. So, you know, they they seem to think we're on the on the rise anyway. Um, it was nice for Sterling to score, wasn't it? Because he's he's first goal in an international tournament, and he, he grew up just next to Wembley, and there's a bit of a, a romantic tale behind that, isn't there? I know yeah. everybody wants to play for England, but still. <laughs> no, you know, I mean, it's it's stuff dreams are made of, isn't it? You know, playing for your national side at the national stadium in a in a competition, and you know, if you're growing up in the in the shadow of probably the old Wembley, I, I, I'd suspect. Um, you know, but to, to, you know, it, it, I was surprised by the fact which was said on comms during the the game that it was his first international goal in a in a competition. Just I just assumed he'd already because everybody already still thinks that shot against Italy went in. Oh yeah, <laughs> but yeah, um, happy from really to get that goal in. But the, you know, something like that might be the the kind of thing that gets a monk off off his back if you like, so he can he go on and grab some more, and you know, hopefully come into some form in the competition as well. Yeah, it'll be good I, to I see. think he's a he's a class player. I mean, like it is great that he's got that goal because his movement in the game in general, I just thought was phenomenal. He gave them no end of problems, and I think when you were saying about how Southgate was going to pick him kind of because he likes that continuity. I think regardless, forget forget about how people have judged his season at Man City. I think this is sometimes a tendency, and, I, and I'm a big fan of Jack Grealish. He's an exciting footballer. But him having a really good season for Aston Villa is very different to Raheem Sterling having what might be considered a below-par season for a club like Man City. I, I still think he's a quality player, and he showed that, like... Time and again, and he's one of the. Believe it or not, he probably is one of the senior members of this squad as well, which is mad considering he's probably only like mid twenties. But he's played a lot of very high quality football in his time so far, hasn't he? Yeah, and I think you know to, just to, to follow on from you, said Craig, and again I said it before the pod. I think as good as Grealish has been, the one thing that Southgate's been good for England is to make this a team and not about just form. Playing for England shouldn't be just the 11 players who are playing that the best that week in the Premier League. You know, that you don't you don't create teams like that and Grealish has played a handful of games. It's a big game because Croatia are an experienced team and I know a lot of people, again, you know, maybe wise after the event are saying, well, they're an aging, slow team. That midfield they put out, um, you know, I thought they were going to dominate the ball a lot more than they did. And, Ironically, they were probably suited to the English heat more than we were, weren't they? Because uh, we do, our play, it's mad to say that, isn't it? You can't blame the English weather. You know, like that's that's a new law almost for an excuse blame on the weather when you're playing in England. But our players don't play in the summer. That's a fact. And they all commented on after the game, didn't they? How hot it was. Uh, we can't be the only the only podcast to talk about the England game and not mention Calvin Phillips. Um, performance who was probably man of the match um good in midfield what i would say though um is that i've been waiting for that from him like there's been surprise from people saying i didn't realize he was that good and you think he's playing for england he should be that good um and i've watched him in previous games on the southgate and he's not really done it for england at all now that might be because he's restricted 
in his instructions of the role he's been asked to play for the team. But he's a player who, he must be good. Leeds fans love him. He's been picked for England, so I can't claim like no loads about him. But on that basis alone, he must be a good player. And I've been waiting for him to show this. So I, I take it a, a different approach where I'm not like, oh, you know, patronising, pack on the bat. I'm kind of like, it's about bloody time, to be fair, because that has been one position I've been a little bit concerned about now that Jordan Henderson's not fit. Thoughts well, overall? If, you, if you're going to continue playing him, like you say, Southgate sees something in him that he's getting, you know, from Leeds, these Leeds performances. But when you're seeing a player who, yeah, all right, Leeds play a sort of certain brand of football and have done really well for a promoted team, but they're a mid-table club. So for a player to be consistently picked who's playing for a team that's in the mid, sort of middle of the table, you kind of do want to see something from them, like what we've got there. But of course, what's happened is the press have decided to go flying off into the other direction and start calling them like, you know, the Yorkshire Pilo and all this crap. And it's like, oh, it's one performance against a sort of slowing down, aging Croatian midfield. Let's see what he does in the next game as well. Yeah, I thought that you could definitely see that kind of Bielsa fitness in him as mm. well. And that's because. really interesting because that's probably the biggest game he's played in his in his career. And, you know, it just shows, you know, that that fitness that Bielsa desires. You know, if he were to be at a top four club or whatever um, in the Premier League, it'd be quite scary, wouldn't it? You know, because what he's turned those lads into, it leads... Um, you know, it just it makes us love Bielsa even more. To be honest, <laughs> seeing Phillips play like that, you know, because I'm sure Phillips would put a lot down to his uh, um his impact at Leeds. As well. And I've, I think we we've needed it because I made a prediction before the pod, which is clearly wrong now. Um, that I thought Henderson would have been fit to start the Scotland game because I th- I honestly thought he needed him, and I think he w- I thought he would have got the last half an hour against Croatia with an iron start in the Scotland game. Now that could have been his plan, but Phillips was playing so well as well that you're not suddenly now going to take off a player like that or drop a player like that for somebody whose fitness you're not sure about. Or is, do you double, do you double think over that because, because of who the opposition is and there's going to be a lot of, it's, well, it's, it's like a derby, isn't it? Essentially, you know, and the Scots are going to, we're going to come on to it, but they're going to be well up for it. Do you need an experienced level head like Henderson on there? In his place, even you know, regardless of the game we just seen. Yeah, we, we and we will get to that because I've saw some, some some suggestions that he, he could make changes in this game rather than the the Czech Republic game. But I think just to, to file a couple of things on the on the Croatia game, um, I, I, there's been some interesting takes on Harry Kane's performance. Um, in that you know, and I couldn't believe I'm not I'm not naming the podcast for anything, but I was you know I listen I take in as much information as I can and. I find it so funny that before the game and before the tournament, there's massive debate around Harry Kane where they're saying he drops too deep for Spurs and he drops back into that number 10 role too much. And when he's playing for England, he needs to just stay in the box because we've got other players who can do that um, and then just take chances when they come. And then the same podcast was slagging him off saying how he was quite quiet and that we didn't really see him drop deep and get involved much. And I'm thinking, you bloody asked for him to stay in the box. <laughs> and like, and the ball's not always going to come to you if you stay in the box. He should be doing that, in my opinion. And he's just going to have yeah. to be patient, isn't he? Because like, in, in over the course of three group games, chances will come to him. I know one kind of came to him in the game, didn't it? And, you know, that people are going to have to accept, you know, you can't have it both ways. He's not going to come and get himself involved 
if you want him to stay in the box because he's playing up front by himself, essentially. Yeah, he's, he's not absolutely. Go- Sorry, Craig. Yeah, no, no, that's right. I was gonna, he's not going to do what Lukaku does. You know, he's a kind of a much more of a bulldozer and he's like much more like mobile in a way. Not that Kane's not mobile. That sounds ridiculous, but that's not that he's, he's mobile in a very different way. Like he's clever in the way he drops deep, but it's different for England. Look at Ronaldo for Portugal, barely involved in the game at all. Missed a sitter, then scores a penalty and finishes off a great move with an excellent goal. And I think that's what you want from Kane. So you're right. If he has a performance like the Croatia game where maybe he looked a bit lethargic and not quite as good as you want him to be, but won the game 1-0. What if against Scotland, he has a bit of a Ronaldo performance, a couple of chances fall his way and he buries them? That's fine. Suddenly no one's, suddenly people are thinking, oh, could be a golden boot. You know, he's, he's leading the line. He's, he's doing what we've asked of him. So yeah. I've, I've, I think you've just, one game is a lot to be judging Kane on. I think people are dying for something to sort of complain about almost, if, if that makes sense. But you can't, it, it wasn't like the perfect performance or anything. And Croatia certainly don't look like the team they were a few years ago, but it's a good win. Enjoy it. No, I agree. That's kind of my opinion on it anyway. Yeah. Frankie, your thoughts? Yeah, I, com- I completely agree with uh, what, what, Craig, what Craig said. You know, it was a, a, a professional performance. We chugged along nicely, we got a, a goal at, at a decent time. And um, having seen all the other teams now, you know, France, apart from you know France, you know I think we look better than Germany, um, and you know I, I don't I haven't seen anything that I'm like oh a bit scared about that. Yeah, names on paper you're always a little bit wary of, but in terms of performances, I thought it was as you know it was as as assured as I've seen from anyone in the competition so far. Well, the context is that England have never won. Uh, it's the first time they've ever won an open game in the Euros, and England have always been a nation of chokers, I think, at major tournaments because they've often went in with good squads that should be playing better and are capable of more. And it's probably a mixture of the managers we've had who haven't had the sort of attention to detail or the tactical awareness. But more than anything, I think they're just, they've never been in the right, seem to be in the right frame of, of mind and the, the, the bottle, the bottle it all the time. And you don't feel like you're going to get that from this team, do you? Well, that goes back to Southgate creating the correct environment mm. for these players yeah. and creating a nice, relaxed camp, which he did so well in the World Cup. And it's kind of rolled over with these new players come in. I mean, the headlines coming out of the camp is they're all obsessed with Uno and there's an Uno competition going down, you know, and that, you know, gone are the days where they're going to be caught down the town, wherever they are, going out for some drinks and stuff like that. But you really want to hear the reports coming out that they're all getting on so well and the, and and there is no cliques, you know, and for the first, was there was another stat, wasn't there, from the first game that there was no um, Manchester United uh, or maybe even Liverpool players started, I think. Yeah, um, and, the first time you know, in a while, yeah. And there's a lot to be said for that as, as well. I mean, even if, it, of course, it wouldn't have been done mm. intentionally, but that just shows as well that there's, that, you know, there's players coming from all over, Picking the right players for the right system. Yeah, yeah, exactly. In the right, in the right environment. Exactly. Like Roy Hodgson used to play Danny Smolin. Um, uh, sorry, Danny Smolin. Chris Danny Smolin. Smolin. <laughs> used to play um, Chris Smolin, right back for England sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. Which Weird. is just why. it's And it's, we know <laughs> the answer. It's because he plays for Man United. Yeah. And, yeah. and it's, it was insane. And, and England had done stuff like that for years, haven't they? Um, mm. So, yeah, it's it's... I'm definitely happy about it. So we'll, we'll have a little break there and then we'll come back and we'll talk about Scotland game and then make some predictions. 
Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. The Wise Men Say podcast is brought to you in association with From the Terraces. For a 10% discount, enter the code WMS10 at the checkout stage. While you do that, check out the From the Terraces podcast, presented by Rory Fallow and Matthew Keeling. For more information, search for From the Terraces on social media. Right, so England off to a good start. I think we've just said there that, you know, the teams who um, have impressed are the ones that people fancied anyway. Um, I've, I haven't measured this in any way, so I'm just sort of going off my own probably inaccurate memory that um, there are usually some upsets in the first round and bar in the Denmark game, which I think, you know, circumstances dictate why that was the case. There haven't really been any. And I think the teams that you would say have impressed were the ones that people fancied. So Italy played well, looked good against a Turkey team who were terrible. Um, very much the hipster's choice, weren't they? Um, <laughs> Dark France, <horses>. France, who, <laughs> you know, I've never known one person who hasn't predicted France to win this. I don't think no. I, I don't think I can remember going into a tournament where there's been one team fancied as much as, as France are for this. And while they weren't great, they always looked in control against um, Germany. And, you know, two disallowed goals where they were fractionally offside. So they were, you know, they were really in control of that game. Belgium won comfortably. And despite the 1-0 scoreline, I thought England won comfortably. Um, the problem you've got with England is I've never, ever thought about the route to the final as much as I'm thinking about it now. I can't mm. stop thinking about the fact that England, if they win the group, are going to play one of those those mm. teams from that group. It's never concerned us before, but I guess... You know, we've we've got our hard luck stories against these teams over the years. Argentina in '98, we should have won that game. Portugal in 2004, we should have won that game. Portugal in 2006, we should not guess. If you're going to win a tournament, you need to win one of these games eventually, don't you? I guess. Yeah, exactly. Win. You know, you've got to. Do you know, and you want to come across the the big guys and the, the big teams as as well because. That's what these these memories are, are made from, like you know, clashes of the titans, if you like. And <laughs> you'd love to, you know, be the if, right if, side of it for once. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Why and why not? But you know, the, the England lads, you know, play at you know at not higher, but it's at the same level as all these other players. Really, you know what I mean? And I don't know. I, 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 it's great when you see big footballing nations playing each other. Just because of our record, it's always a little bit sketchy when we come up against. <laughs> and I think, I think also, you know, if we if we will win our group, there's not, nothing to say we will. And France win theirs, and there's nothing to say they will. But I think that'll happen. Then we at least we would avoid them because 
I think we play Wembley if we win the group next round, don't we? That's right. We so, only don't play one game. So if we win the group and then we were to go through the whole tournament of the final, it would, it would only be one game a week. A week. Yeah. yeah, that would be it. So, so you get your you home know, advantage as well exactly. there. Exactly. So you've got to back yourself, haven't you? So this Scotland game's not given, I think. Um, you mm. know, they'll be, they'll be hurt because, you know... With respect, there wasn't a lot in that game, was there? Like, Czech Republic took their chances and Scotland didn't take their chances. That, that was really all there was to it. And Scotland either concede banter goals or amazing goals, <laughs> it seems. They're, they're, yeah. they're always memorable, aren't they? Um, but um, the second one was a bit of both. <laughs> yeah, it was. It absolutely was the perfect combination of meme ability and an incredible finish. Like, yeah. the shape on that shot. Forget where the, I mean, obviously the distance plays its part in that. But there's certain images of the shot where it looks like if you didn't know where the ball ended up, you'd think it was going to go off into orbit somewhere. Yeah. Like it's perfect, it's incredible. Yeah, absolutely amazing moment. That like I like how underwhelmed the BBC commentator was about it. I know he like he was just sort of <laughs> he was just sort of like oh in Scotland get caught in the counter attack here and they have done. I'm like no, I, I like, are you looking at this? Ab- yeah, no comment on the absolute sensational goal that you've just seen there. Yeah, I think it just condemned them to the defeat, though, didn't it? So there was a bit of kind of like, oh, we can't really talk it up because it's one of the home nations. Yeah, um, getting another sucker punch after so much hype. But um, yeah, it was it was a great goal. Like, really I feel great. like it'll get take you know in terms of airtime now. We should take over uh, watching Seaman Seaman get done by Ronaldinho at least in the two thousand. Yeah, so, yeah, that's true. Yeah, he's scrambling back. I mean, that was a fluky goal that one. But I mean, this 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 Czech Republic guy. Yeah, <laughs> Um, chic, isn't it? He's, he, chic, is yeah. he is he going to get a big move after this? There's always one, isn't there? Because I've been he, reading reports where apparently he flatters to deceive a lot. Yeah, so I've heard that as yeah. well. I think wasn't he at, wasn't he at Roma for a while? I think he's already been at a big club. I don't even know who he plays for now, which is great preparation for a podcast. Luckily, we're not playing Czech Republic next, of course. But um, I did know, but I forgot. Uh, yeah, me, like too. Just... <laughs> <laughs> me too. Me <laughs> too. I'm sure he's played for Roma or something. I was listening to another podcast where they were talking about how um, what Czech Republic offer. I think it was Jacob Steinberg was talking about it on uh, Football Weekly. Was saying what he thinks the Czech are more Czechs are, are more of a threat than the Croats because of him. So even if he is erratic, the Croats don't really have an out and out striker. So when that first goal he scored as well was really well taken. It's, oh, it was fantastic! And, really and, well and, and, and any team can concede that. Because it's a cross in the oh, box yeah. and he's just powering the header in. He's got a bunch yeah. of defenders. He did play for Roma, Craig. Um, yeah, well, at least I got that right. <laughs> and he scored five and 46. He did better than Sampdoria <laughs> before that. He got 11 and 32. Um, he's now at Bayer Leverkusen. Oh, he's at a big-ish club, but yeah. primed, for, primed for that that move to a Premier League bottom half club. Yeah, Aston Villa. Yeah. Didn't Birmingham, who, Birmingham, who was the, was it Ziggich the board? Yes. And they spent like a lot yeah. of money on him um, after a good shit. World Cup. Yeah, yeah. It does <laughs> it's going to be a, yeah, it's going to be a seller's market in Carol Poborski after going back all the way back yeah. to Euro 96. Like amazing, yeah. like lobbing Peter Schmeichel and stuff. So my new bottom. And he was Liverpool when they got El Salaf yes. yes. They weren't they were nowhere near the players that they looked like they were in that maybe yeah. one game in the tournament. Um, yeah. they got got a bit mugged off there, I think. So we think Sheik is gonna be that player. There's a prediction. Right. Uh, um, Crystal Palace will be signing him, that's my guess. There you go. Thirty million quid or something like <laughs> yeah, that. Yeah, that's what I'm yeah. gonna say. Yeah, it's a good shout that actually. Definitely. Right. What do we think about this Scotland game upcoming then? Um in terms of team selection, we think like you you alluded to earlier, Craig, I think 
I don't think he needs Trippier to get to get um not to get Tyrone right through 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 the game. I mean, again with respect, and this could come back to bite us if they play the same team, Scotland or a similar team, and Dykes is up front. Um, you know, I don't think Tyrone Mings has got anything to worry about. I certainly don't think he needs Kieran Trippier guiding him through the game. So on the front foot a little bit more, we expect to see one of the attacking left backs to come in. Well, I would say so because if they, I mean, there's a good chance they won't play that right wing back who, again, I'm kind of stealing this from another podcast, but they were right. Have you seen a bigger contrast between Andy Robertson and, is it O'Connell? It's O'Donnell, isn't it? O'Donnell, whatever he's called. That guy who no one knew who he was and is absolutely diabolical. Um, the, I don't think there's a bigger contrast in one team than, than the difference <laughs> between those two. You want, I don't think he's going to play. I think there's a chance he'll play James Forrest as the wing back, which, Actually, if that was the case, I could understand why Southgate might be a little more cautious just because he will actually have a go at you and he has got a bit more on-the-ball talent. However, I mean, if you're worrying about James Forrest, you're not thinking about winning the tournament. (laughs) He couldn't even get a start in the first game, so he's not like a world beater. So, yeah, that was a long way of saying... Whoever they've got at right wing back, we should be putting Luke Shaw yeah. bench over against them. And, and, and there's a there's a sort of um, a clamour for Gilmore to start at midfield as well, isn't there? Who's looked yeah. good? He's looked good for Chelsea. He's he looks comfortable player. on the ball. He is, but he's he doesn't play a lot, does he? And it's like um, you know that's kind of almost England esque in the in the desire to get somebody into the team maybe mm. before they're ready. So it would be interesting to to see if he plays as well and um, or whether they make any changes. Is Tierney well. still out for them? Kieran they T. think he might be back, but again, it's yeah. While he will improve things, he's a, he's a left. He's, he's going to play on the left of a back three. It's not, mm. you know, how critical is that <laughs> position going to be for them? Really? Um, well, apparently, it affects the way they play quite a lot. I think he gets forward a lot from that position. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. But like one of the Sheffield United defenders, sort of marauding out. Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that's a good point. Be a lot will depend on. Sorry, a lot, I was going to say a lot depends for them. I think on how McGinn plays. He seems mm. to be quite an erratic performance levels. He's either going to give you a 10 out of 10 or like he was really bad, I think, against the Czech Republic. Yeah, they need so him to have a good game to get anything out of it. Well, Rice did a really good job, to be fair, on Modric in the first game. And yeah. we were surprised. Oh, I was all, like back to the Phillips thing again. And I think that's what took people by surprise because Phillips up right now has been very defensive for England, where Rice, we've actually seen examples of him going forward for West Ham and now moving the ball, but they, the roles were reversed completely, weren't they? So, you know, Rice could be the one who's, who's asked to snuff out that midfield threat, I guess, from from McGinn. Um, is anybody? What other changes do we think? Do we think he'll try and freshen it up? Because I've seen some suggestions that he might make changes in this game and back himself to beat Scotland, more or less, whatever team he puts out, which is dangerous. Um, but he'll want to keep players fresh. He won't want to pick the same eleven as the three games, will he? No, I don't think. I th- but I think if he was going to make, I, I think if he was going to make changes, he would make changes based on. Um, the ability to take the emotion out of the game. Scotland's going to be bang up for this, like well and truly, and you know the whole twenty-five years since Euro '96 and all that kind of thing. And I've even heard people, or seen it, people on Scottish people on on social media suggest that you know even if they went home, but they did England in, they would <laughs> go home happy, kind of thing, you know. And and I think, you know, I think I think the younger players might fall into some kind of cauldron of emotion uh, for both teams yeah for for England especially I think Uh, you know 
Um, do you I think th- Scotland are, are going to uh, would be the ones to tangle themselves up in a more? In a no, more I think they knots. would. But he's going to. I think Steve Clark will use that as the the motivation for for the game, though. Whereas I think Southgate will try and play it down, and that's where you could need an old head, and you could see a Henderson coming in just to you know. <laughs> Steady the mm. steady the ship, if if you like, and just remind people of the the situation and get pull the emotion away from the game. I think what he'll want to do is race into a two. I think he'll play a very similar team. But I think the left back will change, which means Trippier, who he likes, could actually start a right back. Um, you know, I I don't think he will. I think I think he'll make a change at left back, and that'll be it for the back four. Um, and then I think he'll keep the same team. Um, and I think what he'll want is to maybe race into a, maybe a 2-0 lead 60 minutes in, then take off, start taking off Sterling, putting Grealish on, because someone like Grealish will be dying to play in this game, especially. And if you've got a, a two-goal lead and you shouldn't be worrying about, you shouldn't be worrying about blowing a two-goal lead with respect against mm. someone like Scotland, then you could see Grealish, Henderson, those kind of people come on then, I think would be what he's hoping for. Yeah, I could, I could, I could see that as well. I think that if England were to get an early goal, I don't, I can't say anywhere back for 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 Scotland. But until until England do score, um, I think they've got to be wary though. I wonder how Scotland approach it because like England are effectively through. I mean, it would be really difficult not to qualify from this position. It's possible, but it's very difficult not to yeah. because you you kind of just they'd need have to a lose point. Two games, yeah, wouldn't they? And it's, it's it very seems very unlikely. unlikely. Yeah. So you think. Scotland, though, they kind of have to win. I think that, that, I mean, they could go to the Croatia game and just need to win that, but the goal difference is already a bit crap. If they lose this one, even 1-0, I think you're pretty much eliminated because your minus three goal, goal difference isn't really conducive to getting through in third place. Even, even You'd have to go and batter Croatia, and I, I just don't see that happening. But at the same time, if they really attack us, we're going to do them on the break, I think, easily. Yeah. I think we'll have the talent and quality in tight spaces on the turnover to really hurt them because that's something Croatia didn't really do. They were they did try and slow the pace of the game down, but they never came out, like, if you know what I mean. We were always, like, having to find the gaps. And I think, against Scotland, they've just got poor... Rep- I know Croatia aren't any great shakes, but I think Scotland have got poorer players mostly, haven't they, let's be honest. Yeah. Yeah, I think I guess the only thing that could work, you know, like you said, is like a bit of a derby, and sometimes they and, and these things can have results you don't expect. And the only thing you'd be concerned about, and again, you'd be surprised if Southgate let this happen, would be if there's any level of complacency from England, coupled with Scotland playing absolutely out of their skin because they know this is last chance alone, and they go out and try and play the game of their lives, and. You know, for that reason, I wouldn't be surprised if we drew the game. I think we'll win, but I wouldn't be surprised. Mm. And and I think there would need to be a level of calmness if that did happen, because you know, even if we did draw and then beat Czech Republic, you've got seven points. That would normally win the other group comfortably. Well, it would, wouldn't it? Because you know, I suppose the worry would be if they then didn't beat Czech Republic. Suddenly, that opening game win, all those narratives about Croatia not being quite as good suddenly they all come back to bite you on the arse if you don't beat the two supposedly weakest teams in the group. I, I think they'll I think they'll beat, you know, beat Scotland. I, I don't see a lot of fear there. They do have some good players from the Premier League and some good players who play in, in Scotland. And I know the levels in Scotland aren't quite, you know, up to the same standards. I think surely Steve Clark must be thinking about starting Shea Adams ahead of Lyndon Dykes because Adams yeah, I think is not amazing, happen. but yeah, he's, he's, got, he's got a goal in him, hasn't he? He yeah. strikes the ball really well. 
Yeah, it looked yeah, more threatening. And he's been criticised for the things we say Southgate's good at. They've both took the approach where they're going to be loyal to the players who've mm. kind of got them there. And Dykes was very much of that, wasn't he? And Adams is quite new to the party and stuff where, really, if you put them up head-to-head, there's only one winner in terms of in terms of quality, isn't Talent, it? yeah. Yeah. Well, Dykes plays in the championship, doesn't he? So... He looked like a championship forward to me as well. I mean, there's a few of them we've seen in the tournament, um, and he, but he, he missed really good opportunities. And I just think Adams, yeah, he's not like prolific, but as you say, he's played against some of these players in the Premier League, so he actually knows them better, and he is a higher level player. So if that, you know, that one that fell to Dykes at the back post, mm. and he sort of passed it, he just didn't get his foot to it well enough. I think someone like Adams, I'd back him to have buried that, to be honest. And that changes that game. So if he was to get a chance like that against against us on, on Friday, and you think someone like Stones or Mings can have a little bit of a moment in them, even against poorer sides, if they got that first goal, that's a different kettle of fish. But I just game on, I mean, game on. <laughs> do you really see them? causing much trouble though I just think it would have to be a mistake better. yeah it'd have to be a mistake or lack of concentration wouldn't it that's the only way I you think could so. see it I mean they just looked a bit toothless in general didn't they going forward Scotland although they did have a few chances I think that was more of the the adrenaline of the occasion maybe mm. Mm. I, I agree I mean I, I don't look at the Czech Republic and think oh there's an immense team or anything I certainly think they're eminently beatable as well it's quite a weak group, actually. They cancelled each other in in a, in a way, really. <laughs> like Czech Republic, as I said, just scored two very good goals and took them. That would be the worry against them because they could score those two goals against anybody would mm. be the concern for Czech Republic. Because, like I say, that first one, crossing a header, you can score that against any defence in the world if you're going to header the ball that well and cross the ball that well. Um, and the second one, well, you know, England have conceded some banter goals over the years, haven't they? So you never know. Uh, what, 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 what do people think, though? We'll go out with sort of predictions for it. Uh, I'll, I'll, it so I'll, yeah, I'll go first then. Yeah. then. I, think, I think, you know, I think you're right what you were saying. I think if England um, do, were to get an early goal, uh, it would certainly dictate how the rest of the, the narrative of the game would go. And I think England will do that as well. And I think they might even come out on top, maybe like 3-0 or something like that, because I think they'd be so disheartened if they concede early Scotland. Um, that would almost be like tools down for them a little bit. But uh, yeah, 3-0 to England would be my prediction. Craig? Bold. I like it. I think um, I was thinking 2-0. I just didn't see enough from Scotland, despite the chances that they created, that to suggest they'll score goals. And if they are going to score one, I reckon it's probably going to be from a set piece. And I don't, I don't think England are particularly weak against set pieces. So I think a 2-0 win, comfortable. I think we'll see the subs on like the 60-minute mark. Yeah. I'm with you, Steve. I think maybe one, two changes to that starting eleven. I'm not sure what the uh, other one would be, but I, you could rotate any of those three that play behind Kane, I think, if you yeah. fancy just shaking things up a little bit. Yeah. No, I agree. I think it'll just be one change, maybe two. He might, he might take Ford and out and put one of the others in. Um, but I, I don't think he will. Like you, I think I think it'll be two 0 We'll race to a two 0 lead, and I think then we'll probably just settle the game and try and kill it. Which uh, you'd rather they didn't do. You'd rather they went for the throat, <laughs> wouldn't you? But um, it would be sensible tournament football. Um, 
a sensible tournament football approach, wouldn't it, if that was the case? Okay, so yeah. we'll we'll come back after and talk about the inevitable defeat to Scotland <laughs> with some sort of with some sort of banda goal that will be short. One nil. Grant will be short. Yeah, yeah. yeah, it will be short for generations to come. Um, <laughs> sure, that won't happen. But uh, as always, thanks for listening. <laughs> Serves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 